Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Dave Hollis. Uh, Dave Hollis is the former president in the film division at Disney, and now the COO of the Hollis Company. Um, So this is a company that he runs with his wife, Rachel Hollis, and between the two of them, they've sold a whole lot of books millions and millions and millions of books. Uh, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So uh, he's also the author of his new book, uh, which will be the focal point of this conversation. It's called Get Out of Your Own Way, A Skeptic's Guide to Growth and Fulfillment. So Dave, great to have you here. Thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here. I do want to clarify that collectively, my wife and I have sold millions of books. She has sold millions of books. I have sold thousands of books, and I am very happy to be here. <laughs> uh, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, and I know your book's just getting started because at the time of this interview, it hasn't even been out for a month and it's already doing really well. So uh, let's start with like, I mean, I think I read somewhere you guys grew from four to 40 employees in less than a year. And I want to say that was last year. Why write a book in the midst of all that <laughs> and, and the business just really blowing up? Yeah, I'll be honest. It was, as it turns out, because of the end product, it was great for the book because I wrote pretty uh, honestly about how hard it was to scale this business and work together for the first time and struggle through identity, having left corporate for startup and, um, and all the things. And the idea of uh, putting a book on top of that was, in retrospect, terribly, terribly planned. But uh, because of my willingness to talk about how freaking hard it was, it ended up, I, I think, actually making the book a better read because there was a lot of almost therapy in putting so many of the words of the experience into the book as the book was being written. Uh, we did, as you say, we went from four to 40 in the first year. We're now up over 65 in about a year and a half. And it has been um, drinking out of a fire hydrant in, in like the greatest possible way. Um, but many, many of the things that have come in that scaling were totally foreign and, and new for me who had worked in super conventional, traditional workspaces where uh, there was a little more trail management than what I would argue we're doing here in some trailblazingness and in, in some of the ways that we are trying to offer resources and tools and the way the business uh, meets our customers or our community. Um, so that's been jarring and overwhelming and awesome because of it producing growth all at the same time. I love that, the trail management versus trailblazing. So what, was there a trigger point? What made you decide to even start on the journey with this book? Well, my wife handed me the not yet finished version of Grow Wash Your Face a few years back. It's been out now for two years, but call it three years ago, I read this first, you know, eight and a half by 11 printout sheet version on a binder clip. uh, And I panicked. I thought it was a terrible idea to write this book. I thought it was a terrible idea to release this book. I convinced her, or I tried to convince her, 
to not actually publish the book because of how honest and transparent it was. And uh, luckily, she just did not listen to me whatsoever. She had a handle on what she was doing and what the audience ultimately needed. And almost 4 million copies later, I'm happy that she did not listen to me. But it was because of um, my ability to see firsthand the way that her willingness to tell stories about her struggle afforded people the opportunity to see themselves in her story. And as she was giving people some breadcrumbs on how she herself got unstuck or found better ways to show up for her life, it helped them find better ways to show up for their life too. And so uh, I asked, hey, I, I was coming out of a season of myself having been very, very stuck after having had a good, good run in my career and having had healthy kids, I was really, really stuck between 30 and 40 in a midlife existential, what the heck am I on this planet for kind of way. And, uh, and, I, and I'd found a whole host of ways to try and get out of my own way, as the book title would suggest. And I had to say, hey, is there the possibility that in unpacking some of my own struggle in talking honestly about where I've been, but also the kind of tools that I've applied to uh, becoming a better version of myself, showing better as a dad or a husband and all of those things, uh, that it might afford someone in them seeing themselves in my story, the opportunity to get out of their own way too. And thus the writing journey began. That's awesome. And like, how do you see this book feeding in with the growth of the Hollis company? And like, where do you see this take? Cause this almost feels like a little bit of a, of, of kind of like, like you were saying, it's, it's a birth of obviously a second career for you, but also just, I know you guys have launched your coaching program, like there's a bunch of other things. How does this book feed into kind of the growth of the business as a whole? Yeah, well, I mean, part of it is uh, my writing this book was the acknowledgement of how different I am from my wife. I mean, I have in real time, welcome to quarantine life, a three-year-old knocking on a glass door during podcast time. Uh, I, I have so many differences between myself and my wife that part of what I hope I can bring to the table as someone who's creating uh, content and tools is the opportunity for someone to see themselves in me in the same way that they might see themselves in my wife. And, uh, you know, we are different in that I am, as the book title suggests, skeptical, uh, in part because of the way that I am a pragmatically wired human being to her being a dreamer and believer from the word go. I have always been a little more, a lot more fixed mindset oriented than, uh, than she is someone who's growth mindset. And I have struggled with motivation in a way that is completely disconnected to her experience as someone who just wakes up ready to take on the entire universe every single morning. And so I think some of like my approach and my storytelling and the way that I see the world is relatable to our audience in a way that complements and builds on top of some of the things that she's already putting out there. Um, and, you know, I am, I, I've had a different experience in that I have, uh, especially on the coaching side, I'm speaking more about career than I am about small business. Um, I built a career for 20 plus years inside of entertainment. And so my ability to, as a resource for anyone who is building a career, have a conversation about what it meant to start at Disney as a coordinator and leave as the president of distribution, how those 17 years and the promotions that took place were, you know, a thing that I, in some ways, engineered, and here's some tips on how you might engineer it yourself. Um, that's different than the kind of tools that Rachel, as a almost now 20 years entrepreneur, would recommend or make available to someone who's running a small business. So, um, 
And by the way, two years in, I, I do believe the legacy of my life has been, you know, started just two years ago. And at the, my funeral, though I've had the career that I did in entertainment, they won't even mention that part. It's going to be everything that we do here on out. Um, I'm still figuring out what that is. And that's part of what's really been amazing in this experience. The audience in some ways is giving me and us some of the hints on where they'd like the teaching or the tools to go. It's been the way that the business that she created almost 20 years ago has gone since the beginning and has been part of the fun of this journey in the two years that we've been doing it together. The best is yet to come. So oh, yeah. So how it sounds like that's really interesting. It sounds like that this this book and your coaching program has kind of opened up a whole new avatar for you guys, which is the career focused person that wants to grow in their career, not necessarily maybe maybe a, I don't know if you would use this word, but maybe a lot more trail managers or trailblazer entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it. Is it, you feel like that's kind of opened up that whole other market that previously, because they're not a quote unquote entrepreneur, wouldn't have worked with you guys? Yeah, it's it, it, in real time, it's opened up that for sure. Hey, if you're someone who is building a career, who is currently working for a company and has aspiration for growing inside of it, or um, is looking to create reputation or brand around the value that you generate, fantastic. I've got a whole bunch of tips and tricks on how I was able to establish a bit of a reputation and build a career over the course of time. But also I'm doing a life coaching course as well. And my life coaching is told and taught through the lens of my skepticism and my mindset and my motivation challenge mm. in a way that mm -hmm. if you in any way relate as someone who also has sometimes been skeptical of tools inside of personal development or someone who's been more fixed mindset oriented or avoided failure or uh, you know been worried about what criticism says about you instead of seeing it as the super rich data fantastic i share a bit of that and would be happy to kind of walk you through a journey of thinking differently through the lens of someone who has historically thought differently than my wife has so um it's a little bit of a mix right like i think she will continue to be the kind of the vision and the creator when it comes to the business, I will, as a primary responsibility as COO, continue to be an integrator operator, the how. She's the what, and I'm the how. Um, and so my, my first and foremost responsibility is how do we take all the great things that she comes with, up with idea-wise and make them available to uh, as broad an audience as possible in a way that they are hoping to receive those tools and then um, creating comes, uh, you know, kind of a little bit secondary. I, it's interesting because it wasn't actually a part of what I was thinking I was coming here to do when I came here in the first place. And I've uh, found it to be a super rich uh, gift with purchase, as it turns out, in doing this work. I love, I love the coaching. I loved um, the experience of writing the book. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, period but it's also the proudest accomplishment of my professional career. And I've had quite a few things happen in my profession. So, um, you know, it's, it's been great. And I also, like I said earlier, it's the beginning. So I don't even know exactly where it will all go. It's been fun to just see it unfold in real time. That's great. And that's definitely something we have in common being the operator kind of integrator minded. How do we get this thing done? What you said, it's been the hardest thing that you've done so far. What was the hardest part? Well, as much as I had the evidence of how important it was to be honest about the experience of my struggle, 
talking honestly about struggle is something that was totally foreign in terms of muscle memory because I had years and years of experience managing optics and expectations. As a part of the job as the head of sales at the Walt Disney Company, I was talking to the press on a weekly basis about how great things were, no matter how great or not great things were. And so as someone who was a spin doctor of sorts, I'd become a spin doctor as much in my life as I had in my professional life. And so the idea of owning all of the details and putting them all onto paper um, was hard. It was hard. It was hard in part because it became, um, in a blessings kind of way, therapy. I love therapy and I love the catharsis that comes in processing things on a couch or in journaling and writing this book. Dang it. It was a form of therapy, but every single chapter was me having to rehash something that at one point in my life I carried some shame for that wasn't my proudest moment because I'm in each chapter sharing something that had me in my own way. So um, that part was hard. Uh, it's, it's hard talking about how you need not think about the opinions of other people or what no one's thinking about you. And you still find yourself sometimes falling victim to not wanting to have this be uh, wasted effort or effort that somebody is critical of. And, um, you know, I have, I have held the handful of stories early on that came from people and having re read it, how they just immediately had something that was affirming and life-changing in how they saw something different or had a breakthrough for their life. And if it was only those handful of people at the very beginning of the journey that I was able to affect, it would have been worth it all along. I just have to get myself back there every once in a while when the normal humanity of creating introduces some of the insecurity of what if it's not good or what if nobody likes it? And it's kind of crazy how, how writing the book, it really is free therapy in, in a sense. And sometimes, I mean, it sounds like this is what you're saying. I've heard a lot of other people say, uh, similarly, is like you're writing what you need to hear. And even sometimes in, in the process of writing this, it's what you need to be reminded of, which is just kind of this great, I think, double gift of the writing process. Yeah, it's interesting because I've, uh, I've been writing whatever my next book will be in real time. And I started writing it just before this quarantine uh, period was introduced to us. And then in the clarity, the gift of forcing yourself to focus on what actually matters and asking better questions about what of returning to normal you actually want to return to, uh, I've now just decided to release myself from thinking I know what I'm writing about and just write a little more open-endedly during this window and see how this experience of this forced focus and the way that we're creating new traditions with our kids and questioning what of what we need, we really need, um, ends up showing up in the pages of the stories that I'm telling. Uh, I started off on a journey to write about, now that you're out of your own way, that's you know the first hard decision uh, I entered what I call a season of being unmoored after I decided to leave what I knew for what I needed, go chase this entrepreneurial startup thing with my wife from this corporate environment that I had. I thought making the decision to leave was the hard part. That was just the first hard decision in a series of everyday hard decisions that I had to make and um, <laughs> talking through what it feels like to become someone who can become the captain of a ship out on these rough, rough waters where growth takes place. Um, is what I started out on a mission for. I think it's still what it will be, 
but I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself some of the freedom in this window to just be a little more creative with now a whole lot of insight about the world that did not exist a month ago, two months ago. Absolutely. That's great. Now I want to, I want to talk about, so I think if I'm remembering correctly, um, Rachel first self-published her book. And I know I, I heard on, um, I think it was Jenna Kutcher's Gold Digger podcast about her recommending self-publishing for most people. I'm, I'm, and I'm also pretty sure that you traditionally published. What was your thought process behind that between going self-published, traditionally published, and ultimately what made the decision for you? So yeah, so she did self-publish the first time. She went down the path originally of uh, offering a manuscript to a whole host of traditional publishing houses. They came back with feedback on how she needed to like fundamentally change some of the context of the writing that she did. Um, it happened to have been against the backdrop of Fifty Shades of Grey when she was submitting a very sweet, totally PG romance-ish kind of thing. And the injection of something a little more Fifty Shades was the advice from every publisher that was willing to have a conversation and her not being interested in going that way had her decide to self-publish. She did it, it worked. It worked so well in self-publishing that a publisher came and asked if they could buy the rights and turn it into a series and three books were born out of one. And it began her traditional publishing journey, but it started with her betting on herself and not letting someone else who was a, you know, a professional and expert in the field of publishing tell her whether or not her idea was good. Um, so if you're listening to this, and you have uh, a great idea, but don't have a publisher validating or affirming that it is one, uh, you don't need to let that person's opinion limit your ability of putting this book out in the world. Go self-publish the darn thing. Uh, when it came to my book, I had the benefit of my wife as my best friend and uh, roommate, uh, having previously had two very, very big books just released when I was having a conversation with a publisher that happens to be hers. So my decision was uh, informed by, uh, the relationship that was already existing as a person who was operating the business and at the time doing a lot of the conversations about how to make the most of her books as a part of the Hollis company or in support of the initiatives uh, of, of what HarperCollins was hoping for in helping uh, make the book as big as possible. And so uh, because we'd worked so well together in the releases of Girl Wash Your Face and Girl Stop Apologizing when it came time for my book, I submitted a proposal and uh, they agreed to make that book a thing that would happen inside of their world. And, uh, and it's been great. Um, so I've never had the, like the option personally, or I guess I had the option, but I've, I've never had the experience of self-publishing. So I don't, I don't know how it would have been different necessarily. I, there, are, there are great things about and complicated things about any way that you publish. So I'm sure there are pros and cons on both sides. And so let's switch gears a little bit to the launch. I mean, you, so you've got the book out and I see big book tour and then bam, all the coronavirus bam. stuff, quarantine stuff. How, how has that affected the book launch? I saw you had to postpone a lot of like the tour, like how have you pivoted amongst that and how has that affected the launch? Yeah, so good news, the way that we were able to have support from retail was great at the beginning of this thing. It came out on March 10th. March 10th was just before everyone was getting uh, the serious, hey, you need to stay home, shelter in place kind of order. So um, there was great support at places like Target where there was a fixture up in the front of store and Barnes and Noble where it was out on an end cap. 
Um, and and so, but, so that was great. Like to be able to walk into a store and see your darn book sitting out for people to buy. And I was able to sign it in a bunch of places. Amazing. Uh, but the night before my first book tour event, the night before, we were in a conversation about whether or not I should still get on the airplane the following morning. I was going with a couple people from my team. It's, I don't know, five or 600 people had already bought tickets. And that night, within an hour's worth of time, Tom Hanks announces that he has, and his wife uh, have the virus. Uh, the ban on European travel has taken place and the NBA suspends their season. And in that moment, it was like, well, this is a tipping point. Uh, a national treasure like Tom Hanks, the idea of travel, like the, the NBA, an institution, this is, a, this is now a different thing. And while I think there was an appreciation of it being serious, it felt unbelievably more serious in that moment. And so we, in that, like within 10 minutes, made the call, we were gonna push the tour. And it was, I cried. <laughs> I cried big old human tears because when I was sitting in January thinking about everything and what would be the best year of my entire life, this tour for me was a big part of why this was gonna be the best year ever. This launch was such a big, important thing for me, and I was so excited by it and for it. And uh, it was hard to not like throw my hands in the sky. Why? Why? And then you realize, like in the big scheme of things, number one, um, me being inconvenienced with my launch is nothing compared to what is actually happening on the front lines or people um, feeling the impacts of this crisis. So stop, Dave. This isn't actually about you. But also, um, I had to really step back and think about how this timing might actually be exactly what this book needs because of the content that sits inside of it. And so uh, as much as getting out of your own way is the story of me navigating a bunch of things that were in fact having me not show up as well as I might for my life, there are in every single chapter a story that you could apply to how to survive disruption in work, disruption in life, having to be quarantined when fear or anxiety you know, show up more frequently. All of these things have unbelievable application in a way that um, maybe makes this book more relevant because of what's happening in the world, uh, even though it comes at, you know, at the expense of some of the things that were planned. So um, I'm excited that it is out. It hit the New York Times list the first week. What an amazing thing, bless that. And, um, and and it's a thing that when I do end up having the tour, because they will, the dates are not canceled, but postponed, the way that we will actually celebrate coming together in community around that time, the way that more people will have read the book. And by the time I get out on the road, it gives a second bite at the uh, apple for getting people yeah. excited about it. I just, I, I, I have to stay connected to it because one, I, like, there's so few things that you can actually control in this world. You can control your attitude and your effort. And I am mm -hmm. going to stay positive about this timing being for the book. And I am going to work as hard as I possibly can in this window to create and in the window when I am able to get back on the road to be able to connect with people who've read the book and love on them in person when the tour is able to get back up and going. That's awesome. And it's such a great, great mentality. And I'll, I'll see you at the one in Los Angeles when the tour is back Come on, on. now. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right. So if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. 
So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement so tell me, like, how, how is it? How has this pivoted? Your, your, like, the actual nuts and bolts of promotion, and what have you seen move the most books over the last thirty days or so? Well, in a in a weird way, at the very very beginning, I was reluctant to talk as much about the book. I'll be honest, because uh, I was having a hard time doing anything other than trying to meet our community or anyone that we create tools for with anything other than. Um, hey, here's some free resources, or how can we be helpful? Is there something we could do that might um, keep you connected to gratitude or help alleviate some of your anxiety? And then as people were telling me, oh my goodness, man, this book has been such a gift in alleviating my anxiety or changing the way that I can connect to gratitude. I was like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a resource in this. I need not yeah. shy away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, so part of how part of like part of it was just like kind of sticking to the plans that could be stuck to. And so we have a, a couple of big podcasts that we personally produce. And so on the rise podcast that Rachel has come out on Tuesdays, we had the first, the introductory chapter came out on launch day, uh, chapter four, which is about the lie, a drink will make this better, uh, came out on the relationship podcast that we have on Thursdays called mm. Rise together. And so the idea of like maintaining the, the plan of sampling some of the books so that if you're on the fence or in my vernacular, skeptical of this being a tool that might be a resource for you, fine. Here's some free snips, as it were, of this. 30 minutes of an introductory chapter, 25 minutes of a chapter on coping mechanisms. Uh, the timing certainly still is applicable. And, uh, and we still have a couple more episodes that'll come out. I've been on any and every podcast that will that will have me, including yours. Um, so I'm going to keep on talking about this book. And the, and the reality is, as much as man, I want to talk about the book. I have I have tried more than anything to stay focused on how um, talking about some of the themes of the book can be useful and helpful in this yes. time. And um, if it ends up being something that resonates, that maybe it leads someone down the path of wanting to buy the book without it feeling like such a hard sell. I, like this book to me um, will forever be a, a thing that has value. And as I'm able to meet the audience, meet the community that we sit inside of with service, then when it comes time to go back into stores, when it comes time to maybe have a little more disposable income or have the, like, the focus and clarity to actually read books instead of make sure that your human beings that are small are being homeschooled, um, then <laughs> it'll be time for you to pick up the book and read it. Um, it is, like I say, it's, a, it's the proudest thing I've ever created. And it will be a thing that I will talk about until I'm gone. I, like I'll yes. be talking about this book 20 years from now. So uh, as much as I am going to you know, continue to serve it up as a thing that I believe to be a tool in real time that is super, super, maybe even more relevant now than it was when it first came out. Um, I'm also going to stay focused. We have a community challenge that's happening right now called Next 90 Days, where we are as a group 
of a few hundred thousand people trying to just get through this next three months together mm. in as positive way as possible. And as much as there are some components from the book that'll weave in and out of the 14 weeks of programming that we've put together, um, serving the audience during this time feels like it ends up taking a primary role relative to selling books because this book will sell. I, I, I just have to remain confident that even though there are traditional curves in the way that books sell, I was the, the, I was the beneficiary of whether this is good or bad of watching how Girl Wash Your Face sold when it came out. It didn't hit the list when it came out. It didn't sell a ton of copies at the beginning. It went on to be a massive seller and it's selling was a reflection of the advocacy that came from people who read the book mm-hmm. and good news. People who've read the book have enjoyed the book. There are, you know, hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. I am here all day for a five-star review, but <laughs> that, right, that advocacy though, like yeah. that's more powerful than me telling someone, oh, you should yeah. go buy my book. I'm the most biased person in the world about my book. Of course, I'm going to tell you to go buy my book. But when a stranger on the internet tells you that this book actually gave them some tools to change their life, that's worth way more. So that'll happen. It's just going to happen a little more organically instead of me manufacturing it. And it's just going to happen over a longer time horizon. So I'll be patient and focus on serving this audience well between now and when I can get back on the road. That's great. And you, you mentioned reviews. I think last I checked, you know, we're recording this about, about 30 days out from launch ish, almost 350 reviews. How'd you do it? That's amazing. I, I don't know, actually. I, I just, I, I, I think, honestly, it's, um, there's, the, there's so much love inside of this community. I mean, part of it is we try to just pour, pour, pour into this community every single day. Uh, Rachel and I have done a morning show, which is a very bizarre thing to say out loud because who does a morning show? But every morning, five days a week, we, for 30 minutes, are um, sharing our lives and bringing a few hundred thousand people into community to help them mm. get a jump start on their day, get their mindset right, make them laugh, think differently about how they can overcome obstacles or be distracted by whatever it is that's actually happening in real life. And so um, the way that I think we've poured into this audience in some ways is a reflection of how they pour back into supporting things like my book and and showing up on Amazon and giving it reviews. I am, I am here for it. I don't know how you get people to, to review your book, but maybe if you're listening and you read this book, will you go review it, please? Thank you. Awesome. Hey, a couple of final questions. We're in the home stretch. So what, what has been, oh man, there's so many places, we get, so many routes we could take. What, what have you seen over the years? Like, obviously you're very early with your book and you've seen a lot um, from Rachel's books. Like, how have you seen the books drive the business and where do people usually get like, what's the next logical path and what does that look like from a business perspective of like taking someone from, okay, I'm a reader to now I'm a subscriber or I'm tuning into the morning show or I'm, you know, purchasing like signing up for coaching programs, whatever that looks like. Yeah. I mean, the book has been amazing as a, when people represent how they came into community with us or that like if, if we, we, we throw live events. So if you have been someone who's come to our live event and we're able to ask, how'd you find out about Rachel and Dave? Or how'd you find out about Rachel? So often the book as an entry point, as an on-ramp for our community is the way. Uh, in part because um, you don't have to like follow us on social or have any uh, awareness of us to have somebody inside of your social circle say, hey, you should read this book. This is a good book. I like this book. And um, so that has been great for us. 
but it also um, hearing what about the books they've liked or what value they've received from the books in particular has been so instructive in how we think about creating programming at the live events, creating programming inside of our coaching, creating uh, separate product lines, right? Like, so we created a daily repeating gratitude and goal setting journal and uh, a daily planner um, that live at Target, live on our site. But um, those things came out of some of the feedback of how important gratitude was in some of the things that were inside of the book. And, and Girl Stop Apologizing, some of what exists in how to chase down a goal is what gave birth to a priority planner that is you know, a, a nice part of the business. And that was just because, hey, we were listening as the audience is telling us, hey, this is really helping me solve some of the problems in my business. Thank you so much. Oh, okay, great. What else could we maybe offer that would help them solve it on a more regular basis? And you know, a product that came in the paper goods business was that logical next step. Um, so, the, the cool thing as you are creating inside of this book writing space, um, the audience will tell you, sometimes they're going to tell you that they don't like something. That is as valuable information as anything. <laughs> it doesn't feel great. The feedback right? loop, hurts your yeah. Feelings. Yeah, hurts your feelings. But if you can be objective in receiving the gift of their criticism so that you have a better handle on how to deliver value to them the next time around, rad you you will actually write a better book you will write a book that is you know more broadly uh you know something that is interesting to people um if you just want to turn that off not look at you know bad reviews or the feedback that people give okay but it might limit a little bit of how you can process some of that for good if you're able to or willing to absolutely cool and that's i've seen that play out with your i mean you mentioned your events i, th I think you might know this but my brother plays in need to breathe seth and then but him and his wife tori went to your live event and that was how they originally heard of you guys to begin with was through the book and then seeing the curriculum because i wasn't there but i saw i saw they had we were on like this goal setting session turning into the new year and and they were going through the curriculum from i think it was the it was a rise event in charleston um yeah rise business it was yeah. in the fall yeah. of 2019 um yeah. but just seeing that curriculum and seeing how that tied into the book and seeing all that it was just super super interesting yeah. Hey, final couple questions here. So um, knowing what you know now, Dave, you've obviously, you've been through this process, you're, you're fresh off of the launch, uh, and it sounds like already working on the next book. What would be your advice to the other Daves that are in the audience, right? Maybe a little bit skeptical uh, about the personal development world or skeptical about the book writing, all of the above. Knowing what you know now, what would be your advice to that person who's thinking about going on this journey that you you just went on thinking about writing a book well i mean my mantra in the last i don't know couple of years has been around this pursuit of growth because of what happens when you chase it uh in uncomfortable spaces and and so my first piece of advice would be leave the harbor uh i've got this tattoo on my arm a ship in harbor is safe but that's not what ships were built for uh you cannot actually grow if you stay connected to the things that make you comfortable. You cannot grow if you don't leave the darn harbor. Uh, and uh, your decision to do so is going to be one that uh, triggers all of your insecurities and is disorienting and makes you feel unsteady when you are standing on said ship out in the middle of the old ocean. But it's in that choppy water where as you uh, uh, find ways to 
master the seas that you will ultimately grow. And uh, I had to find for myself uh, that there was this unbelievable connection between fulfillment and growth. As in, if I'm interested in fulfillment, and I am, if you're listening to this, you likely are as well, um, you have to be growing. If you're not growing, you just can't be fulfilled. You can't, you, you can be intermittently happy, but on a grand large scale, you can't be fulfilled. And so uh, if, if it's writing, right? If writing is a thing that you are resisting because of it triggering some insecurity of you not being great at first or uh, what it might mean to fail were you to write or uh, what, how, how hard it might be, um, get over it, go do it anyway. Um, and, and, and I say that uh, not trying to diminish how hard it will be or the fact that it will actually make you feel insecure or trigger you, of course it will. But on the other side of having done it, you will have grown because of your ability to persevere and push through those choppy waves and will become a better writer over time. Like you're, uh, admit it, probably not gonna be the greatest writer when you start. None of us are great writers when we start. We just continue to get better over the course of time, but getting out of the harbor and starting is, uh, is the first big thing. Um, if there's, you know, if there's a thing in the book that like stands out, especially against the backdrop of writing for anyone who is hesitant, it tends to, you know, kind of come back to this worry of what other people are thinking about you. And uh, I would argue one of the greatest gifts in leaving this company that I didn't leave fast enough, the Walt Disney Company, I had this great job, but I wasn't as challenged because of how great my team was, how strong the intellectual property was that I was selling, how, how strong the leadership was around me. Um, I didn't leave because I was worried of what people would think of me doing something unconventional that I thought was in my best interest, but that might not make sense to them. And having left, I can tell you that they were not thinking about me in the same way that the people you're worried about thinking about you are not thinking about you. They're just not. Be free. And that's not an in, in, in indictment in any way of the people in your circle or the people that were in mine. It's a reflection of their humanity. They like you are human. We all think of ourselves first and are worried first and foremost about ourselves. And so um, go right. Uh, you're not free ice cream. I'm not free ice cream. No one will like all of us because of the fact that we are not free ice cream. Uh, in the book, I, I, I allude to the fact that I myself do not like Lord of the Rings. I do not like Lord of the Rings. I just don't. I think it's, uh, it's unwatchable. And the fact that I don't like Lord of the Rings does not in any way make it less lovable or likable. Uh, and I have evidence of that because it has literally sold billions of dollars worth of <laughs> box office tickets and has literally millions and millions of fans around the world that will fight me for suggesting that it is unwatchable. But I don't like it. And whatever you create, someone isn't going to like it. And that mm. doesn't make it or you unlikable. It just mm -hmm. means that it's not for them. Your writing is for, first and foremost, you, right? Like I wrote this book for me first and foremost, as a vehicle to express myself creatively, as a vehicle to therapeutically work through my process of understanding why I do the things that I do and getting it all on paper in a way that will be a living legacy. And in some ways, as a father of four kids, a, a roadmap for how I hope my kids stay out of their own stinking way. But I wrote it first and foremost for me. Separately, I wrote it for the people who do like it. And if someone decides that they don't, like there's this tendency that we have in, in our humanity that we could write a book that 90 people love and that 10 people hate. 
And it will keep us from wanting to write another book because of us focusing on the 10 people and forgetting that the 90 exist. You've got 90 people out there that want and need to read the thing that you're creating. And if you have 10 people that hate it or 10 million people that hate it, you still have 90 people whose lives could be completely and totally changed because of the impact of the words that they've been waiting for that come exclusively from you. Go write the dang book. That's awesome and a great place uh, to, to end. So um, final question here, um, where can people go to get this book and to find out more about you and what you're up to? You can get this book literally anywhere. I've said literally <laughs> a lot, but I just love the word. So I'm gonna keep saying it, but you can go anywhere. It's available on Amazon. Uh, if you wanna hear me read the darn book to you in the midst of quarantine, I'll do it. Uh, it's on Audible. Uh, if you want it, it's uh, in a special edition from Target with a bonus chapter on mental health. It's there uh, at Barnes and Noble. There's a bonus chapter on finding your why. You can find it anywhere. Uh, but uh, yeah, there you go. What was the other part of the question? Uh, where they can find, find out more about you and what you're up to. Oh, you can find out more about me at theholisco.com. Or if you want to follow me on the interwebs, uh, Mr. Dave Hollis on Instagram and Dave Hollis on Facebook. My wife's cool too. You should hang out with her. Her name's Rachel Hollis. Awesome. Dave, thank you so much. This was awesome. Right on, Chandler. Have a great day, buddy. You too. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode all right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important uh, leave a review on the podcast, all right? Reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step. So how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.